0: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today on Two Black Guys with Good Credit, we dug into the crates for a classic episode. We hope you enjoy it.
3: Welcome to Two Black Guys of Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and financially knowledgeable. So, Big Sean, have you ever wondered why someone got a better deal on something than you? Or why sometimes when you ask for something, you normally just don't get it?
4: Mm, I'm wondering where are you going with this today, Joe? Because <laughs> this old man has some, I believe, some negotiating skills. Then wasn't I able to get to negotiate you to come on this show, Derek? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Nevertheless, I, the Credit King, invited my brother from another mother, the negotiating king, Kwame Christian, to help break down the art of negotiating. Get ready to learn how to upgrade your negotiation skills. And guess what, Sean?
4: I see where you're going with this You think I don't got negotiating skills So you brought in a ringer for me Okay, okay, let's see what this Kwame Christian got Okay, I get it
3: I'm just telling you Don't hate, negotiate You're listening to Two Black Guys with Good Credit
0: Matt, take us to commercial This sponsorship break is brought to you by clean clean is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops, and web seminars. To bring it to a school or organization near you, please visit www.financiallyclean.com.
3: Welcome back to two black guys of good credit. We're here with big Sean, the lady with the facts and our guest Kwame Christian. For those of you who don't know Kwame is a negotiation consultant, Ted talk speaker, business lawyer, podcast, author. The list just goes on and on. I hope I'm not leaving anything out. If I am, please forgive me. But Kwame, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. It's uh, great to be here. Uh,
5: the two most important things you missed, you, you missed were father and husband. And so we that's that. where
4: I get the majority of my negotiation experience now. <laughs> so it's great to be here. <laughs> Well, I'm going to get right into it, Mr. Kwame, Mr. Competitor, Mr. Ringer on this show. My brother, I've seen a lot of people do different things, but this is the first time I'm meeting a negotiation consultant. How did a Caribbean man living in Ohio find his way in this field? Well, I made it up.
5: <laughs> Just completely made this up. It. And it's funny because I, I kind of stumbled into this. I My degree was in psychology and I always wanted to be a clinical psychologist. And um, somehow I lost my way and I started to get into politics. And so I said, you know what? The best way for me to help people is to help as many people as I can. So if I become a politician and I can sway policy, that's a lot more efficient than just helping one person at a time through um, counseling. And so I got my psych degree and then I did a dual degree with a master of public policy and a law degree. And as I started to learn more about law uh, and politics, I started to like it less and less. And I, I was that guy who was being sworn in after passing the bar as a licensed attorney, asking myself what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so the thing that was interesting is while I was in law school, I'd Uh, stumbled upon negotiation. I took this class. I fell in love with it because it was the first time I saw psychology in the law. I saw psychology used for a legal or business purpose. So I said to myself, "I, I don't know what it is I'm going to do, but it has to include this. And so now I'm seeing an opportunity for me to help people when it comes to these difficult conversations, because the way I see it, the best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. But we have emotional and psychological barriers that prevent us from having these conversations. So So I approach it from the inside out, helping people to overcome those fears so they can have those conversations and start to um, have the impact in the world that they see for themselves.
1: And, Krisha, it's funny you should say that because, you know, I'm the lady with the the history and the stats and the cold (laughs) hard facts, right? So I looked up the definition of negotiation. And they said it's quite simply a discussion aimed at reaching an agreement. Mm -hmm. Now, someone like me, I'll tell you, and I think negotiation, it's angst, it's intimidation, it's stressful. But to read that definition that quite simply it's a discussion aimed at reaching an agreement. Like, I mean, that was kind of mind-blowing for me. I mean, just because of what you just just mentioned right then and there, you know, being able to help people with their fears and everything else.
5: Exactly. And that's the thing that people don't realize. Um, They think that they negotiate once or maybe twice a year. They're buying a house, they're buying a car, and hopefully they're negotiating their salary. Hopefully we get a chance to talk about that too. But, you know, the reality is we're negotiating every day, unless you're a a hermit, right? (laughs) Anytime Mm you are interacting with people, you're negotiating. And really, when you think about just persuasion in general, every single conversation that we have has a persuasive bend. If we even talk about a movie that we watched recently, I'm not just, the goal of my conversation isn't simply to alert you of the fact uh, that I watched a movie. I'm going to tell you whether I liked it, whether I didn't, and why you should feel the same way. And so when I step back and realized that I had the same response as you, I said, this is, this is incredible because this skill, acquiring this skill could be one of the most important things that we can acquire when it comes to strengthening our relationships with the people around us and getting what we want and deserve
4: out of life you know you are so right Kwame because I, I always see I see negotiating the day-to-day activity as well from negotiating with your kids your peers your family etc and I believe those that negotiate will have more control and drive to success I mean in other words those that negotiate better have a greater chance of achieving success do you agree or disagree Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent, and that's the, the the biggest barrier. Like
5: I said, is is negotiating awareness, negotiation awareness. We just don't realize that these opportunities to negotiate are happening. And you think think about it this way: you take person A and you take person B, and um, they are the same amount of intelligence. Um, they do the same amount of work, same quality of work. But person A asks for a raise, and person B doesn't. Person B thinks that their work should be recognized, and it speaks for themselves. Well, the reality is, you speak for yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's Bill. no reason Absolutely. no reason for that person A to get more money than you. But the reality is there is one reason <laughs> and it's their ability <laughs> to negotiate, their willingness. To negotiate really, and when you look at the statistics and break it down, and I think this is where where the money comes in. At the end of the day, if you're negotiating, every ceiling is a new floor. If I'm working at a company and I negotiate from 60 to 65, I start the next negotiation from 65, and I could get up to 70. And so this right. this is how the uh, the advantages compound at the end of your your life, especially if you're in a competitive career where you can start start off or come close to six figures and then move up from there. We're talking. Easily. Millions, especially when you consider the fact the opportunity cost that comes with investment. So this is a critical skill um, when it comes to uh, moving forward in the professional world.
3: It's well, interesting that you mentioned that. Um, I was, I was going to say I've actually got a friend who missed out on a lot of money because she didn't negotiate. After she started working, she found out that all she had to do was say something and they would have given her, you know, an additional 15, uh, $15,000 at the job.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny you should mention that, um, Derek, because uh, they did a study, and just so you know, uh, they did a study with uh, graduates from Carnegie Mellon University, and 57% of the men negotiated their salary, but only 8% of women did. (laughs) Now, to even take that a step further, they say there's 32% of people just in general negotiate all the time, but 18% never do. And uh, they cited the reason was fear.
4: I'm telling you, exactly. I, I believe negotiating negotiation starts with confidence. And I always say, go hard or go home. And I say, I believe you know you're better off. I always say to go hard when you're starting a job to negotiate your salary Then wait till you get into that job and start continuing asking for more money. What do you think about that, yeah, Mr. Absolutely, Ringer? <laughs> absolutely,
5: <laughs> you know, just to. To, to add on to um, Dion's point there, I'm a, I'm a big-time nerd, so I'll cite several books. Hopefully, remind me to cite my own book. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> my own you got it. <laughs>
1: um,
5: but, um, but the uh, book reference there is Women Don't Ask by Linda Babcock and Sarah Lashver. They were the professors from Carnegie Mellon who did that research. And the other thing that they found was that even when women did ask, they, their requests were significantly less aggressive. They asked mm. for less. And... Um, What you find is that one of the most powerful negotiating techniques is anchoring. And anchoring is when you make the most aggressive ask that you can reasonably justify. And that simple thing changes the reference point for the reference. Of the discussion, it makes you significantly more likely to get what it is that you want out of the out of the negotiation. I know maybe we can get more into tactics later, but I just wanted to throw that out there. That's one of the major reasons, one of the many reasons why we have a, a wage gap. But there is something that we could do about it in our own lives when it comes to the way that we negotiate, instead of having to wait for society to
4: become equitable. <laughs> Who knows how long that could take? I, I believe there's two types of negotiating, negotiating your personal life and negotiating your professional life, sorry, and negotiating your private life. What do you see as a difference between those two, Kwame? Nothing. Oh, <laughs> <shoot>. <laughs> I love it. Nothing. And that's the
5: problem. Um, but people really overthink it. It just really comes down to the, the willingness to have the conversations. And um, it's interesting for me. For me, I I realize that I'm better at it professionally than I am personally uh, because there's more at stake. I'm willing to walk away from anything in the real world, uh, in the business world, but they're relationships I can't lose <laughs> in my personal right. life. And and that's the thing. One of the most difficult emotional barriers for people when it comes to negotiation is the feeling of need. If you feel like you need the deal, then you're going to make unnecessary concessions. So in the business world, ah. I, um, I think about it with um, confidence. My definition of confidence is a general feeling of okayness with whatever the outcome. We get a deal, all right. If we don't get a deal, all right, I'm good. Now, the issue when it comes to the personal life is that it's like, I don't get a deal. Oh, my marriage.
0: Right. Yeah, you can't exactly do that. <laughs> and, and
5: so that's why it, it's more difficult at home. And again, bringing, bringing it back to the uh, gender issues within negotiation, it even applies at home because what we're finding now is that the, uh, the significant portion of the relationships are dual income relationships now in today's age, right? But the issue is that the, the domestic rep- responsibilities haven't been uh, diversified the same way that the portfolio has been diversified so what that means is that when both the man and the woman have stress at work the man comes home and relaxes the woman comes home and works more and so mm-hmm. work. so home can be even more stressful and so when you think about um negotiating anything shout out to the name of my podcast hey hey <laughs> um, when you think about that you don't just negotiate at work you also have to negotiate with the people you love at home and so you if you have those conversations it could lead to more equity at home when it comes to, down to the breakdown of domestic responsibilities wow
4: okay i can see why derek picked you up you're you're earning your pay today see what Mr. i'm saying <laughs> if you're doing your thing I but as for a, a raise <laughs> dion i think we need to negotiate a little better here amongst ourselves as friends uh, okay but hey, it's Kwame, it's two black guys with good credit. Don't hate, negotiate. Matt, take us to commercial. NicknightDirect.com is the fast, easy way to shop online. To buy an item from any U.S. website, just go to nicknightdirect.com. That's N-I-C-N-A-T-Direct.com. Choose your method of payment and we'll ship, handle duties, and deliver your items straight to your door. I'm Sean of NickNightDirect.com, and you have my word. NickNightDirect.com, we'll deliver
3: it to your door. Welcome back to Two Black Guys of Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and financially knowledgeable. We're here trying to make sure that you don't hate, negotiate. We're here with Kwame Christian, and we're getting into some of our tips and tricks. Sean?
4: Well, let's talk about leveraging. I love to leverage, Kwame. Part of my negotiating tactic is always trying to figure out what I have, from what I can get, and what I can leverage. So how important is leveraging when it comes to negotiating?
5: It's critical. Um, and I think before you get into any type of negotiation, there needs to be an, an, an analysis of the power in the negotiation. What's the power dynamic look like? Who has the leverage and why? And simply put, when it comes to leverage, it's who needs the deal more and the person who needs the deal more will be leveraged, right? Because if you need that, um, you're going to, you're going to be you're going to need to give more concessions in order to get that. And um I have a free gift for well, you. let audience. me get let me get a little deeper oh. there because I'm let me go, oh, yes, go let ahead. me go
4: a little one step deeper with that. Because I'm I'm when I'm sitting across the table with somebody, I'm trying to pull that the leverage to me and not mm. give it back and control the conversation and dictate the pace. Even though sometimes I maybe make them feel like they're controlling it, I'm giving them the control to take back the control. Does that make
5: sense? 100%. Yeah. So when we're talking about controlling the conversation, there's one simple way to do it. And you all are doing a fantastic job of doing it right now. Because think about it. I'm on your show, right? I'm talking more than all of you because I'm the guest. You all are the host, you're asking me questions, I'm responding. And so in chess, there's a concept uh, called the initiative. The person who has the initiative is the person who's leading the dance. I'm making a move and then the person responds to me. And that's where you wanna be in chess. And mm. the same thing with negotiation. So the way that you're leading this conversation is by asking questions. You, you all are asking fantastic questions and you're getting me to share, you're getting me to divulge information and it creates an information asymmetry. As the conversation goes on, you learn more about about me then i learn about you because i'm doing the talking. And so my goal in every negotiation is to maintain a 70/30 ratio. I call this the 70/30 rule, where ah. i get the other side talking 70% of the time and i'm talking 30% of the time. And if i know mm-hmm. if i'm doing that, that means i'm getting more information, which gives me more power, and it also means that i'm controlling the conversation. I'm leading them where i want them to go. Now now along yes. those lines,
3: along those lines with with leverage and and trying to force things in a certain direction. Do you feel like there's power in conceding? Maybe you know, live to fight another day. Well, I mean, what what are your thoughts around that? Well, we need to get a good definition of concession on the table, right?
5: Um, mm-hmm. Are we if we're talking about? concession, living to fight another day, that kind of implies walking away from the deal. And yeah, definitely, if the deal doesn't work for you, then you have to be willing to walk away. But pulling it back, you can use concession as a strategy. And so when we do make concessions, they're not just concessions where we're giving free donations everything. To, to somebody else. What we're doing is we're pairing things. It's an if-then proposition. If I give you that, then you give me that. And so we're not just talking about concessions in general. We, we're talking about reciprocal concessions. And so that's something that people often miss when it comes to making concessions in negotiations. You don't just give stuff away. Um, you, you make a concession in order to advance your overall strategy. And that comes with the pairing of a reciprocal concession from the other side.
1: You know what I just want to kind of tap into it that I thought was fascinating I want. I read an article about basically the nonverbal cues that are involved in negotiation, and mm-hmm. how even when two or more people are actually negotiating, how their body language even starts to mimic each other, which actually yeah. starts creating this kind of space of trust. I just want to hear you speak on that because I thought that was really cool.
5: Yeah, the more you learn about body language, um, the more you realize that people's bodies are screaming at you. (laughs) All
1: righty. We often
5: don't realize it. Right, and um, and so the root thing is, if we can pay attention to body language, um, we're going to gather a lot more information than what is being said to us. And so the main thing that we need to recognize from body language are a couple things. Uh, number one, body language doesn't really tell us veracity um, versus uh, dishonesty, but it does tell us um, comfort versus discomfort. And so that is a signal that we can pick up on and we can follow in with more questions. Okay, they said that, but their body language displayed a lack of confidence. It changed. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So I need to ask some more questions and dig deeper because there's something there that I'm not hearing, but I'm seeing. Right? Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that's important to recognize, and I think this is the most important thing, is that we need to establish a baseline. So if this is the first time I'm meeting you, then I can't really make accurate reads when it comes to body language. So if somebody... I had a friend one time, um, because of his upbringing, his parents always told him to keep his arms crossed as a sign of humility. So he would literally walk with his arms crossed, arms folded. And so now that position just feels comfortable for him. But if you don't know that, you would look at him and say, oh, he's closed off, he's guarded, Mm -hmm. he's holding something back. But now that you understand after a couple meetings with him, hey, his arms are always like that. I can't take anything from that that stimulus, right? And so Mm -hmm. um, a book reference on that is... What Everybody is Thinking by Joe Navarro, FBI guy. Really, really great book. So if you really want to get deeper on that, uh, check that uh, that book out. Well, make I, sure I, you don't I, look it at it my up.
3: posture then.
4: I, I don't want you to, to mimic me. <laughs> and <I lose> my- <laughs> I'll tell you this, Kwame. It's funny that everything you're saying, like how I negotiate, how I think of things, is, you know, gets back to my competitiveness, playing sports, playing basketball especially. Um, like when I, when I step on a court, I size everybody up in my head, oh, he's big, this is what I'm gonna do to him. He's small, this is what I'm gonna do to him. Or he can't shoot, and I look for weaknesses. So when I'm negotiating, going into a room, my competitiveness in me is sizing everybody up, building up my confidence, and then I'm listening to conversation and looking for places of weakness and places to attack. And I think, um, like you said, body language, posture, all that plays into my psyche. If I see somebody, their body language is not confident, I'm like, okay, this, is the, this is, could be possibly the weak link and this is a person that I can kind of prey on. Does that make sense?
5: Absolutely. And see, I'm I'm glad you're at a position in your life where you can step onto the basketball court and make reads because right now I'm, <laughs> a, I'm at a position wow. where I step on the basketball court and I get injured instantly. Oh, no. My knees are shot, <laughs> My knees
4: are too <laughs> shot. Like, was. My knees are <laughs> shot. I that play basketball. My knees the-
5: Yeah, no. Definitely a metaphor, not real life. You're You're absolutely <laughs> right. You're absolutely right, though. And the Harvard Business Review put out a really, really interesting article recently um, called How Being Nice in Negotiation Can Backfire. And it's fascinating, especially coming out of that school, because they were the champions of the win-win collaborative style of negotiation. And this article seems to fly in the face of it. And um, what they found is that when you're more assertive— People negotiate less with you. There's less pushback. You get better mm-hmm. deals. And um, I looked at the article, looked at the research, and broke it down and realized that really what we want to do is we want to have a collaborative, friendly style of negotiation when it comes to the, um, uh, expanding the pie, which is the metaphor they use for being creative and creating value for both parties. So, say it's a salary negotiation. Um, let's talk about different things that I could provide for the company. Uh, if If I join the team, let's talk about different benefits, those type of things. We're creating more value for everything. But then when it comes to dividing the pie, this is the the value claiming portion of it. That's when you need to be more assertive, less friendly, laughy, giggly, and just more assertive. And to your point, when it comes to you on the basketball court, you can see those weak links. When you go up against somebody and at the value claiming portion of the negotiation, if they're laughing and joking and sounding tentative, then you realize that's somebody that I can push. I can push them and they're going to be more flexible because just making this read, given the fact that we've entered the competitive stage of this negotiation and they're trying to still be friendly, I feel as though I can push that person more and get more concessions because they're more concerned about the relationship than getting value. And so we need to make sure that we're not giving off those same same signs and we're being assertive when we need to, friendly when we need to, but also recognizing the potential weakness of the other side too.
4: I want to say one thing. So you agree that being too nice is not a strategic, it's not a strong skill in negotiating. It's not something that's required because there's so many people that think that being overly nice is going to help negotiate a deal. Do you believe in that?
5: I think what we need to do is we need to take a step back and figure out what the goal of the entire conversation is. And depending on the the conversation, it will require a different tone and and a different tone at different parts of the conversation. Um, Think about, as a parent. And so you could just say being nice as a parent isn't required. And yeah, that, I mean, that's definitely true, but you still want to have a good relationship <laughs> with your <laughs> right. kids. Right? Right. And right. so when it comes to discipline, that's when you start to, you put on the Mufasa voice, right? Um, but then when uh, when you're building that relationship, you want your child to have the type of relationship that they're comfortable opening up to you and sharing information. So as you're building the relationship with the other side, you want to be friendly. like The voice that I'm talking to you now, like how I Sound now is the same. Is your friendly voice.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> it is.
1: is
5: a nice guy. I'm, a nice I'm waiting for your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> and, and this is. And I'll be honest. This is how I sound in my negotiations. I, I crack jokes and things like that. But then when we start to come down to the numbers. That's when it gets serious because I'm I'm setting people up Um, because I want them to feel comfortable giving me information. If I'm asking questions, Mm -hmm. when your guard is down, you're more likely to give me information. You're disarming them early. Okay. exactly. But then when it comes to the time where I'm saying, hey, this is the deal, this is my offer. And especially when it comes to putting boundaries. No, I absolutely can't do that. And here's why. Mm -hmm. That's when it gets a lot more serious, a lot more assertive. And um, a lot less friendly, not unfriendly, but at that point, we're down to business and I need to make sure that they don't read any flexibility into what I'm saying because your tone can negate a lot of the pushback that you could receive in the conversation.
1: Mm. And don't be afraid of that dead space, right? That quiet
5: (laughs) moment that feels like hours. (laughs) It feels like hours. Listen, so I was in a mediation one time and the longest I waited in a negotiation um, in silence after saying something was, I think it was 43 seconds Wow, and the wow. only reason I was able to withstand that painful, um, dead space was I said, I counted and I said to myself, Kwame, if you make it through this, it will be the best story for your negotiation oh, podcast. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, did you just stare at him the whole time? Did Did you guys just lock eyes and not say anything? How did because people people seem to have the fear of that if they're face to face with someone and to not say anything so set the stage a little bit what you know did you lock eyes with them and you know You guys had to stare off and make faces or something. How did it work exactly? No, not like that.
5: And so um, the thing is, when you are trying to um, think about the the goal of establishing dominance, there's some subtle ways to do it. Like, for instance, like I mentioned earlier, asking questions. That's how you're controlling the conversation, right? Some people who are less nuanced, they, they might establish dominance by maintaining awkward levels of eye contact and i mean that's a really obvious way of trying to assert dominance over somebody and when it's really obvious then it invites obvious pushback right but if you do it in a way that's more subtle like asking questions it seems collaborative so you go along with it there's less pushback Mm -hmm. so i didn't want to lock eyes with them so typically you lock eyes for three to four seconds then you look away i never look down because looking down is a sign of submission Uh, look uh look to the side side or look up Um, that's what
4: conversation you have in there you don't ask. You talking like you're from the hood. You don't look. You're not looked down. Never look down. You down. Get shot. Exactly.
5: So when I'm when I'm having those moments of silence, um, I pass the time by pretending to write notes. I, if you're in the business negotiation. Nobody's going to malign you for taking notes. It's like, hey man, stop taking so many notes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> gonna say that. It's always seen as a legitimate move. And so I'll just, you know, write down some notes and, and let the thing go. Now, if it's something if they're waiting for me to say something, I'll lock eyes for about three to four seconds, look up and think, show them that I'm processing. And what's interesting though is that oftentimes people will fill that silence with words. I want people to talk.
1: Right.
4: Well, you know, one so thing my lawyer, I, I remember my lawyer would always say to me when we went to court for anything. She would always say, "You know, when when things are going your way, you need to shut up, <laughs> silence. Because <Yep. laughs> sometimes you'll talk yourself right out of a deal. You know exactly. So you silence is good. You know, and and that's, it's, if you know you put you put your work in and you said everything you need to say, you just gotta tally it over and see what they come back with. I think exactly. some people just keep talking talking sometimes. Over talking is an insecurity.
5: Yeah. Well think about it. Let's dig deeper into this. Let's get nerdy for a moment, talk about it psychologically. Um If you are a person who has less power in the negotiation and you see yourself as lower because you're insecure, then you're going to constantly be trying to convince other people of your value because you're trying to convince yourself of your value. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a a young up and coming tech person and I get somehow score a meeting with um, Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or something like that. You know, If I'm in that meeting, Bill Gates isn't going to be explaining why he has a, a valid place in the tech industry. It is what it is. It's well understood. But me, as the young upstart, I'm going to be talking and saying, hey, I accomplished this. I did this. I did that. I did this. And this is why you should give me a moment of your time or have some <laughs> kind of modicum of respect. And so it's what so you're doing true. Is, if you take it back to the Savannah, um, it's a chaser versus a chasey dichotomy. Who's chasing who? And so if you're creating that situation where you're getting somebody to chase you, um, then you're they're following you, right? And so if I'm having a situation where I'm having a negotiation and they ask me something, I clearly don't like it, but I respond with five seconds of silence – What often happens is they jump in and start to explain themselves. And so now it's creating this psychological um, uh, relationship where they feel like they need to keep on giving more, giving more information to earn my respect, to make it seem like, hey, what I said has value. Great. Great. Continue to get into that pattern of feeling that you need to give me more, because then when it comes to the value claiming portion of the negotiation, we've established that pattern. Now you feel like you need to give me more in order to earn that deal, and I want you to be in that pattern of giving concessions.
4: Well, I hear what you're saying, Kwame. I agree with you because I've been in situations that I'm sure myself have done it, where you're just rambling on for nothing because you feel like you shouldn't be at this table. And I say it all the time: you, you, you if you got an invite to the party, you belong at the party. So with that being said, listeners, take note, keep it quiet, be confident. Listen to Kwame, the man, he's he's (laughs) earning his pay. It's two black guys, (laughs) good credit, don't hate, negotiate. Matt, take us to commercial.
0: This commercial break is brought to you by Canvas Malibu. Canvas Malibu is a boutique and contemporary art gallery in Malibu, California. At Canvas Malibu, it starts with art, and their curated offering of shoes, apparel, accessories, and art are a definite must-see. Canvas Malibu is located in the Malibu Country Mart or online at canvasmalibu.com.
4: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino
0: from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
2: To learn more, what would you like the power to do? Bank of America NA, Copyright 2024.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open
0: to the perfect role, like me.
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today.
3: Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. You're listening to Don't Hate, Negotiate. So we're here with Kwame Christian and Kwame. Right now, we're going to do our speed round. So we're going to ask you a couple questions. We're looking for concise answers here, so something short, some quick takeaways, okay? You ready? Sounds like a plan, my man. Okay. All right. So what would you do if you had to negotiate a car loan or lease with a pushy salesperson? I would leave and find another one. <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh, I'm with him. Yeah. Okay. So my my strategy there is to find the car that I want, call every dealer with the best price, and then say, hey, I'm going to go to the one with the best price and say, what is the best offer that you can give me right now? Narrow it down to the best two, then go in person and say, hey, I'm going with this other person unless you get a better deal and have them bid against themselves. If they're pushy, it doesn't matter because they're going to be competitive and they'll want to win. <laughs> nice. great, Nice. All right. Talk All, right to
1: Mike. The- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kwame. How about this one? You're negotiating with your spouse. You want to save more, but they want to spend less. At the same time, you're trying to convince them to take a vacation.
5: Mm, so I want to spend more. They want to spend less. Um, what I would do is I'd ask questions to figure out what it is that they really want, because it's not that people want to s- save money. There's Nobody's excited about saving money. It's saving money for a specific purpose. So I'd find a way to get to that specific purpose that they want while still getting what I want. So I would come up with a strategic plan that allows them to win, but also allows me to get what I want out of this deal. So maybe it's saving later, spending now.
4: Oh, Okay. All right, all right, all right, Mister Ringer. All right, all right. <laughs> okay,
3: well,
5: I'm taking saying, notes, right
4: you taking in lots of notes. Little- <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Thought I was negotiating, man. But okay, take a little back step. But I got a tough one for you here, Mister Mister Ringer. Here, since I'm the real estate guy and I'm always negotiating a price with a seller, I'm negotiating with the purchaser. What advice do you have for me, big guy? Always use anchoring. So
5: like I said, this is the the most aggressive offer that you can reasonably make. So the test that you want to use is the because test. If you can't finish this sentence, I'm asking for this because, then that means that you don't have a good enough offer. So take the offer that you plan on making. First of all, and you want to make it first before they make an offer and take it and make it a little bit more aggressive, but not too aggressive to the point where they you lose credibility and start the negotiation off there. Every single study shows that this simple technique is the thing that will increase the value you get out of your negotiations.
4: Well, let me just, I, I got to do a part B because I'm the guy that always likes to offer a price that's borderline insulting just to find out their bottom line. Like not to the point where they don't know what I'm talking about, but a price that's like, okay. You you are insulting me with that price, but it's border it's on a border. You agree? Mm-hmm. No, you're
5: exactly right. You're exactly right. As long as you don't, okay. as as you don't cross that line. And the other thing <laughs> is um, you, you have to recognize the other issues, too, because it's usually not just money. We have um, the closing date, uh, repairs, all of those things. Anchoring is a legitimate tool that you could use on each of those issues. And you can use it socially with family and friends, too. Um, so just find ways to, uh, to move the needle when it comes to those specific issues.
3: Okay. My okay. So, so Sean's a real estate guy. I work in a corporate world. So what would you do for someone that needs to negotiate a raise? So again, I would use
5: that anchor, but before we do that, we need to ask ourselves where we're coming from. Like you said, it, that's a raise that's negotiating from the inside. So it's a little bit different from uh, negotiating your initial salary. Um, so what I would first do is take a step back and make it like a three to four month strategy. Step one, um, I would gather some information. What does my manager want? Because that often is different from what's in the job description. So I'd gather, okay. have a negotiation for that information. What is a win for him or her? What what would warrant a raise? And then once I get that information, I'd set up a second meeting where I do those things and I can prove it. And then in the third meeting, which is a little bit later, then I would let them know that I'm looking for a raise And um, I would make my request very specifically using
3: the anchoring technique I described earlier. Now, I've got to ask you a follow up. I've got it just real quick. So if you're looking for a new job um, when you're going in, I actually don't use anchoring. I do the opposite. They ask me what salary I'm looking for. I don't give them one. I want to hear what they're going to offer first. I know what my number is and go from there. It's worked in my in my cases. But what, what would you think about that? See, that's why you're, you're a black man with good credit, because
5: you're smart.
4: Oh. So,
3: so <laughs> here's, here's the thing. So here's the rule
5: of thumb when it comes to making the first offer. If you know as much or more than the other side, you make the first offer. If the other side knows more information than you, then you wait for them to make the first offer. Because think about it. If you're in... The the position right now. You already know what you make. You have a reasonable idea of what the next step up would be, so you can make a competent first offer. But if you're coming from the outside in, you understand what the market is, but you don't know much about the finances of this particular business. And so, exactly. what if you go into that negotiation and you say, you know what, I am going to ask for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. That's actually five percent above market. I'm going to make that request. And then the hiring manager says, one hundred and twenty thousand dollars? Yeah, absolutely, we can do that. Like what? No! Oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know enough. You shouldn't have made the offer. And so that's one of those few situations where you, um, plan A is a counter. Perfect. Plan perfect. A is the counter. Got it. Okay. See, I knew some things, Sean. I'm just
3: saying, I knew some things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. All right. So you had the you had the real estate guy, you had the corporate guy. Now, they also know, I mean, I worked in fashion for 20 years, so I'm the fashion gal. Okay. And I'm trying to negotiate with my fiance over either building a walk-in closet or the man cave. Oh, that's a man cave. What would you
4: suggest? <laughs> hey, Kwame, you're representing the men out here. Hey, be careful.
5: <laughs> well, let's start off with a conversation about bias and how I can't answer this question. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, that is a that is a tough one. That is a tough one. I think one of the things you need to ask first is why you want a man cave. What's the, what's the reason? If it's me, um, I realize that there are very few places left in this house that are sacred. Kai has his room I I don't want to be there you know. (laughs) and uh, everything else is really shared Um, there is a a refuge aspect that comes with a man cave so I would want him to really clearly say what it is that he wants out of this man cave and then try to find a way to give it to him that doesn't include taking away from your budget of a walk-in closet And, um, and figure out what else is beneficial to him, what else does he want outside of the man cave because there might be some other things that he wants that you might be able to give him um, while still maintaining the the walk-in closet. So I think expanding his horizons in that regard would be important because when people want something and they see only one way of getting that thing, they get tunnel vision and they don't think very creatively. So mm-hmm. I think the questions that you need to ask are figuring out why he wants it, um, his timeline, and then what potential other alternatives could exist for him. Okay. Thank you. No problem. Right. You know, it, guys, it, it, I'm not a trader. I'm not a trader. I promise.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, that sounded very win-win. Win. I liked it. it. Didn't have to be an either yeah. or. It can be a both and. So I like that.
4: You're on a roll. My last one is is about the holiday season's coming up. Thanksgiving is around the corner. And um, so I'm negotiating with my family and friends on, you know, I'd like to get them to supply all the foods and beverages for Thanksgiving, and I supply the home. What do you <laughs> think? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? man, that sounds reasonable. I think the
5: the first thing (laughs) that you do is you start off with the anchor. And so anchor, like I said, it applies in social situations too. And so I could say, um, first of all, listen, I think the most important thing that we need is a gathering place, because it's not about the food, it's about the family, and I want to provide that place for the family. The mm-hmm. question is oh, wow. who provides the food? So we're, so we're <laughs> starting from a completely different place, so you need to control the, the the discussion. You need to start right now, if you haven't yet, just say, listen, I want to host and I know it's a hassle for people to do the cleanup and provide home, housing for the family. Listen, let me tell you this, I'll take care of all of that. The only question I have is who is going to provide the food and then start the conversation from there because we're st- changing the starting point now we're changing not even dynamics, discussing yes. yeah we're we're not even discussing you in any capacity doing anything with the food you're saying which one <laughs> of all of you is doing the food? And that's you've the already
1: set the table happened. quote unquote. and nobody's exactly. going to go against
5: that because you're like the guy that's making the biggest sacrifice by providing the space right. Exactly. And you want, listen, when it comes to concessions, you want the other person to feel as though it hurts. Never make it seem as though what you are giving them was easy to give, because then they'll just say, yeah, I mean, you should have given it, it was easy to give.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, my Love brother, it. I don't say this too often, but you have been fantastic. Yes, yes. you are the negotiating king. You got to let our audience know where to where to get more of Kwame. Where do they where can they go? Thank you. Well, I will
5: um, give you access to the podcast. Um, so, negotiate anything is the name of the podcast. Number one negotiation podcast in the world. Um, we just hit a hey million now. downloads. Um, uh, wow! You know, we're pretty pumped about that. And um, also, I have a book called Nobody Will Play with Me. It's all about confidence in conflict figuring out how you can um, get that confidence to have the difficult conversations, start to get more of what you want out of life. And um, also free guides. Um, if you go to the website, AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, you can get a free negotiation guide that has you helps you to systematically prepare for your negotiation. A general business negotiation, salary negotiation, and conflict resolution guide all in one. And you can get that for free on the website.
1: And we love free around here. (laughs) And any handles or anything?
5: Yeah, LinkedIn um, is the best place to reach me. I'm on Instagram uh, as well, Kwame uh, underscore Christian. But LinkedIn is the best way to get in touch with me. And um, I also share a lot of video content on LinkedIn as well.
1: And he does respond. That's how I met Kwame, just so you know. He is very, very approachable and just amazing. So thank you so much for everything you brought to our show today. My and pleasure. Yes, it was amazing. Um, and if you guys want, you know, have any more questions you want to send in, please email us your questions at tvgwgc at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At two black guys, good credit. And don't forget to leave us a five star review to make it easier for others to find us. Like Chuck Gibb, who said, First off, I love the vibe and friendly conversational tone. They provide quality, real world advice with engaging action items. Must a must the up and coming investor as well as a seasoned professional i guess i'm somewhere in between well thank you chuck gibb we love you and my name is dion nichols the lady with the history the stats and the cold hard facts i don't know
3: i'd like to thank Kwame for coming on today i learned so much i'm not gonna lie to you i thought my negotiation skills were good for the things that i need to do blew it completely out of the water i'm definitely listening to all your stuff man i've I've definitely learned a lot today Um, We learned that the most important thing in negotiation is to make an attempt. A wise man once said, don't fear negotiation and don't negotiate out of fear. When opportunity knocks, make sure you're there to answer the door. I'm Derek Poe, the Credit King, a.k.a. the younger half of two black guys with good credit, signing off.
4: Kwame was fantastic. I wish I had a more exciting bottom line or takeaway than I can from what Kwame provided through this whole show. But I guess my takeaway would be, Learn more about negotiating. Go to his website, follow him, and get, get more information because I learned a lot of strategic things just by listening to him today. So I'm hooked. So get more. That's my bottom line. Kwame, once again, thank you for coming on the show. I'm Sean from Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Keep your money where it belongs in your damn pocket, people. And I, I'm out.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.